What's going on everybody? This is Tom from Everything But The Camera here with Justin Riley, DP editor and co-founder of 9x3 out in Los Angeles. The dude does amazing work and we linked up to put this together uh, to kind of talk about some of the music video stuff you've shot, where you come from and uh, kind of the background of your filmmaking career and where you want to go. Uh, I like sharing this type of stuff because I want people to understand what it takes to get to where I am, to get where, where he is and hit with his company and with all, everything that's going on. Check it out and please be sure to share this stuff. Follow him on Instagram, check out his company's page and everything, everything will be down below. Let's get right into it, man. So, uh, how long have you been in the filmmaking like industry? Um, I started 2000, early 2011. Yeah. And so, because I, I, we were talking earlier and you were telling me that, that you, you weren't into video at first, right? Like no. you, were, you said you were doing like audio engineering and yeah, stuff? Yeah, I, I was a music producer, uh, engineer in the Bay Area. Yeah, that's, man, that's so crazy to, to know that somebody coming from like audio moving into this, like I started with video and skate videos. From knowing you a very short time, uh, I can tell that you're the type of person that adapts, you know, coming from an, from an audio background, from music, moving into video and stuff like that. That's a crazy transition, yeah. but it's not something that, that is completely undoable. And I think people need to, to know that. Like as long as you have like the creative mindset, mm -hmm. it's easy to adapt and I can tell that you do yeah. that. Um, you were telling me that going into the, the audio world, you kind of had to shoot a music video and you know, you had to get it shot, but you wanted to do it yourself. So you, that's how you got your first music video, right? Yeah, the transition uh, was actually very easy. Um, I was doing a music video um, that I shot for someone and I asked someone to edit, edit it for me. Yeah. And they were like, yeah, I need $3,000. Yeah. And at that time we weren't that serious. And yeah. I was like, you know, I don't have the budget for that. So what I did was I illegal hacked <laughs> Final Cut Pro. <laughs> Didn't we all? I, yeah. I know I did, yeah. Yeah, so I cracked it and I started editing it. And it literally took me 12 hours to edit my first music video. The transition from editing in Pro Tools and Ableton and all the softwares yeah. and music was, it, there was no difference. The editing was just very simple transition for me. Yeah, no, that's, that's, it's good to mention that though, because a lot of people think that, you know, because they use Sony Vegas or they use whatever, it's all the same thing. It's all non-linear editing, especially going from audio too, like audio background. Oh my God. <laughs> Yo, I'm in the middle, middle of an interview right now. I have to play a bit. Sorry. All right, bye. Blooper. So a lot of people don't don't really think about this, but a lot of audio editing, video editing, it's all kind of the same thing. It's all non-linear. Exactly. And whenever you were describing to me like the the video that you shot and you you were editing for the first time, it, it's pretty similar. And I, I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. Yeah. Because uh, it's all copy, cut, paste, and then with video, it's really you know the video and the audio side. But coming from an audio background, yeah. well, do you think that you were at a disadvantage, or do you think that because you were so good with audio editing, it was super advantage. You know what I mean, when I was doing music, it was all about the arrangement yeah. and doing the cool effects and doing the chops, and it was like super in that time period. Where yeah, da, 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 you know, it was all yeah. choppy in the music industry. And then when I trans when I transitioned to the video, it was the same thing. I was always very well rounded with arrangement and. Once I used the arrangement in the video platform, there was no difference, and I picked it up like that. Yeah. So about about what time did you did you take you know the that video side and turn it into nine by three? Nine by three was created about 
a year and a half ago. Uh-huh. Um, before 9x3, I was just a, an indie filmmaker, okay. uh, just a freelancer, doing a, a bunch of like hip-hop music videos in the Bay Area, sometimes for free, sometimes I make a few hundred dollars, and that was like my schooling. Yeah, and it's, that, that's one thing that I, I always stress to people too, is you gotta do some free work every once in a while. You have to. Uh, I, I know I did it, I did a lot of free music videos whenever I was younger, I did a lot of free short film work, and that's really where I learned um, would you like? Would you tell somebody like what's what's a certain point where you tell somebody like now you need to start charging? Um, I feel like once you understand the grasp of ISO, yeah, aperture, shutter speed, shutter angle, whichever uh, angle you go, um, I feel the best answer for that is once you feel you're comfortable. Yeah. Once you feel like okay, I got this, that's when you should start charging. Yeah, and that that's like the hardest part because a lot of people aren't really confident with their stuff, but yeah. I think once once you see that you that you can do it again and again yeah. and again and you can turn key and you know, knock it out like really quickly, yeah. that's I think when people were telling me that I was good at what what I was doing, yeah. that's when I started charging. Yeah. And then like after that, like there I mean, we could talk for days on how much to charge, but I think it's important to at least touch on when should you start charging because that's that's something that a lot of people question themselves for, and I, I want to let people know that do it sooner than later. You know, yeah. don't don't work for free forever. Yeah. Like that's not that's not something I would suggest. I feel don't overcharge, but don't yeah. but don't sell yourself short. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that I mean that topic could be we could talk on that forever. So g- coming from music videos and all of that stuff, uh, did you did you want to like transition to the short films or have you shot short films um, or anything like that? I've done a few little like sketch pieces. Yeah. Um, I was never really into short films. I was mm-hmm. all into music videos because I came from a music background. Yeah. Um, so mu- doing music videos since 2011 till about 2016, that was my schooling, like I said. So I never really had the niche for doing short films. But once I actually like, I feel like I surpassed what I needed to do with like music videos and the budgets that, that I was able to work with. Yeah. I was, you know, I mean, I've, I've learned a new passion of short films. Yeah. And so you guys said that you are going to be working on a short film soon. Uh, yeah. Is that something you can talk about or can you not talk about it? Um, or- I could somewhat talk about it. We are producing a short film, which is different for us because I'm usually film. I'm usually the yeah. one behind the camera doing the editing. And on this uh, particular short film, it is my, uh, my wife's sister's short film. Mm-hmm. She wrote it. Yeah. She directed it. She's acting in it. And um, she actually gave us the power to produce it. I'm the technical producer, and my wife is the everything else producer. Yeah, no, that's good. That's it's cool to see the dynamic because you know I met your wife. It seems like you guys got it, you know, f- kind of figured out. I mean, yeah. I don't I don't know at the at the level. I haven't seen y'all both on set together at the same time, but from listening to y'all's conversations about you know on set stories, it seems like y'all really got. The, the dynamic down of like, I'm doing this, you're doing this, and working together. Yeah, we definitely understand and respect each other's role. Yeah. Uh, kind of like I told you last night, um, instead of stepping on each other's toes, yeah. we try to do it more like a dance. Yeah. You know what I mean? We try to just, and then when, when we do have confrontations, because it is hard working with your significant other on set, yeah. we kind of just pull, pull each other to the side, have a very um, small conversation, and then we move forward. Yeah, and that's like not just with a significant other, but like with somebody that you're a co-owner with. Like if you're out on set and you have a cinematographer that you're like best friends with, you could do the same thing. I've, I've seen it before where, you know, somebody's best friends with the camera operator and the one guy's the director, and then they're sitting there they're like, hey man, like no, like I don't need you to step out of line. Like if I want the shot this way, it needs to be this way. So I've seen, I've seen stuff like that before. It's not just like significant others, but it's uh, it's you know, there's a dynamic. You know, there's always yeah. that hierarchy on set, and sometimes you know, heads, big heads can clash, of and course. it's it's a it, 
the hierarchy exists for a reason, and I, I think it, it needs to stay that way. Uh, a lot of people don't understand. Like whenever I'm on sets, like if the director is doing something and if they ask for advice, I'll give advice. But if they if they don't and I'm not in control of that environment, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give my advice. I'm just gonna sit back, you know. Exactly. Unless I know them like that, you know. So it's it's very rare that I'll actually sit there and, and talk. Like I was I was telling you about that uh, that stuff that I did with with Yellow Wolf. Like I was very hesitant to like even show him. But the the director, the guy in charge, a friend of mine. He's like, hey, you know, show them. And he showed them, and they're like, oh, cool, let's do that. And I think, you know, hierarchy is something that I should definitely talk about uh, a lot, a lot more, and let people know. Um, but on on your sets, like, what what does your what does your wife do on set? Everything. Everything, everything that I don't do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> everything but the camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, she is the director. She is the creative director. She plays a producer. She plays a line producer. Um, she deals with a lot of the talent as I'm, as I'm the director of photography, I yeah. deal with the grips yeah. and the lighting and the you know, we both kind of deal with the composition, but I'm mainly focusing on the framing and the technical aspect on set yeah. and she's dealing with all the creative and all the talent aspects on set. Yeah, that's really cool. It sounds like we should, we should definitely do another follow-up interview and have her in it. hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, 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 for sure. Cause there's a, there's like, we've talked about this before that it's like we, I personally would like to show more women in the industry. There is women out there, and it's it's amazing whenever they're out there. It's just they just don't get the light that they should. They don't get you know they, they there's there's women directors and there's all this stuff going on that people just kind of like it's not frowned upon. I don't think it's frowned upon. I just think that the men in the industry kind of are shined and pushed it's up. It's definitely a male dominant yeah. industry. I think I think the coolest part about women in film is you know it's always like oh it's a female cam op it's a female producer when it should just be like it's a cam op yeah you know what i mean you don't need to state that it's a female yeah say like, oh female this female that no it's just there's no difference in a male operator or a female operator or a male producer or a male director than having a female director is just a director yeah right and it's it's a certain stigma that the the industry needs to shake off i mean it's 2018 there's so much yeah. in the world that's changed and in the industry it's kind of it's stayed in its like little zone, yeah. you know, it's it's kept its it's a little bubble. Yeah. And, we're, we're definitely advocating for women yeah. in film. Yeah, hundred percent. All right. So, speaking on people that are just getting in the industry that that don't know too much about it, uh, what would you say to somebody who doesn't own a camera and they want to start shooting some stuff? You could obviously go buy like a GH5 or a Sony, but if yeah. you really want to learn a cinema camera, but you don't want to dish out ten, twenty, thirty, hundred thousand dollars for a camera, yeah. you know, there's websites like ShareGrid. Um, or Lens Pro to go that you yeah. could rent a camera relatively cheap, you know. And then the cool thing about rentals is they count weekends as one day. Yeah. So if you rent on a Friday, that's your pickup day. Now you have Saturday, Sunday, and then return Monday, but that's still considered one day. Yeah. So if you want to rent a red cam, which you can find a red cam anywhere from two hundred fifty to five hundred dollars a day yeah. on ShareGrid, that's a great way to learn a camera. You don't you don't have to buy it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's the same thing with like. We own, we don't own a red cam. We don't own a huge cinema camera as as of right now. Um, we shoot on GH5, but if the budget permits, you know, you could go on this company, you know, like ShareGrid, and there's nothing stopping you from renting cameras, drones, equipment, wireless follow focuses, huge 13 inch small HD monitors that yeah. you could literally rent. You can rent a Teradek system for two hundred dollars, yeah, two hundred dollars a week, or you could buy it for four grand. Yeah, <laughs> you, know I mean? but, but you can rent it for like fifty bucks a day. Yeah, so there's nothing stopping you, and honestly. Most production companies do not own equipment. Yeah, no, of they course. all rent. Yeah, but a lot of younger people are like, oh man, I have to own, I have to own. Which owning yeah. is obviously good. You get more time to learn it and everything. Yeah. And but you know, what I mean, I think renting is a great source. You know, what I mean, I, it, it, 
there's there's no stopping you. Definitely I, nowadays. Yeah. And the shared grid just released a new feature because you know they have like reduser.net where you can kind of like um, buy a red cam from there. Now share grid, I think start, they're doing a beta version right now, but starting in August, you'll be able to now sell your equipment on Sell your equipment on Sell, yeah. And they take like a 7%. Yeah. Uh, Dude, that's not bad at all. That's though. not bad yeah, at that's all. that's not bad at all. Right. That's like, uh, I mean, that's that's definitely better than like eBay, but it's a trusted source, you know? Yeah. Because I would not want to sell like a expensive camera on eBay. You know? No, not at all. Like just a, like random equipment and stuff, yeah. Um, but th I think it's important to, to really know that too because I've actually heard of people and people have told me before that they've rented whatever kind of camera that they're looking to purchase. Mm -hmm. They rented it for two days and they played around with it. They saw if it fit their needs yeah. and then they made the choice. And, and and even glass, you know, glass Yeah. Glass um, is extremely important. Yeah. Now we own the, the Rokinon Cinedias Prime, which are yeah. good lenses. You know, before that we were shooting like on Canon lenses. Mm -hmm. But if you want a cook a cook lens or or um, CP2, CP3 from like Zeiss, yeah. it's really not that expensive to rent for a day or two. I mean, even a week. Yeah. And I, I've, I've actually, there's a rental house in, in Houston. They show me like mad love and they yeah. put, they hook me up whenever, whenever I'm there. Yeah. But when it like that project that I was talking about, I shot like yeah. literally like last minute, I, I gave them a call because the lenses, the lenses that I have, I feel weren't good enough for that specific project because my lens choice is by project. Mm -hmm. It's not it, like my, my camera body stays the same, but every project to me needs different lenses. Mm -hmm. And so I called them up real quick and said, hey, I need some primes really quick. Like I need this and that and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And they, they got me taken care of right away. Yeah. It ended up looking beautiful, you know? Yeah, I need, beautiful, yeah, yeah. Because, because I, I, you know, needed yeah. something. And I'm not about to pay, because I rented some Zeiss lenses. I'm not about to pay, you know, $1,800, $2,000 like that. And just, because I don't need an 85 millimeter prime every day. Yeah. I don't need it every day. You know, I, I have exactly. my main my main camera, my main lens, and I, I use that for what I need it to. And I do rent whenever I need to. Exactly, because like these lenses that we're renting for the short film that we're, that we're producing next week, yeah. the lenses value are $100,000. Yeah. But we're renting them for seven days for $1,500. Might yeah. sound like a lot of money, but it's not $100,000. Yeah, and, and I think people need to understand that lens choice is so important. You can have a crappy camera and have amazing lenses and it'll look that much better. Yeah, the I, optics, yeah. yeah. I shot weddings with the T3i for, for a couple years. Mm -hmm. I shot weddings with the T3i, but I was renting Zeiss lenses and Canon L-series nice. yeah. lenses and it looked beautiful. Of course. You know, especially once you get faster lenses, you know, the faster the lens, the look, the, for people who don't understand what fast mm -hmm. means, but uh, the lower the the f-stop mm -hmm. the faster the lens mm -hmm. the the more light you can get in all that stuff and you can get some really amazing low light stuff yeah. uh, and also get some really amazing yeah. depth of field and uh, if you are jumping into cinema the Rokinon Cinedias primes are great lens yeah. choices I believe we bought our whole kit for under three thousand yeah. dollars we got the 50 we got the 24 35 50 and 85 and a uh, cinema lenses t-stops not f-stops or t-stops yeah. yeah which is with like the cinema stuff and they're, stuff. they're full they're, manual lenses yeah and they're, they're beautiful yeah, yeah they might not be a Zeiss yeah but it's 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 the next step up. I'm I'm gonna personally buy the 50 millimeter like I, I want the 50 millimeter just to have like around because that's that's that focal length where I, I use that so much. 50 is like my go-to. And then I think they have E mounts, yeah. PL mounts. Yeah, they have e it all. Yeah. MFT mounts, they have them all, right? Yeah, so it, depending on what, what camera you got, you can definitely get a, a nice set for cheap too. Yeah. Like for, compared to like other cinema lenses out there, mm -hmm. it's, it's really good yeah. and it's affordable. And we are looking at purchasing our own cinema camera. I'm not going to tell you the brand. <laughs> you guys are not that popular and we're yeah. putting our trust into them. Yeah. And, uh, but it's a beautiful camera and yeah.
No, that's cool stuff. Yeah. Man. All right, so how do you guys like choose y'all's projects? Like, how do, how do you get your, you know the next thing, whether it be music videos or short films? Like, how do y'all go about uh, deciding on what to shoot? Um, until recently, it was a lot of word of mouth. Mm -hmm. um, we we shoot a really cool video for someone else, say with first, and it was a word of yeah. mouth. But recently, um, trying to get bigger budgeted films and working with agencies and working with higher end clients. Um, it's all about pitching the proposals and yeah. sending them proof of concepts, proving to them that we are able to yeah. to, to uh, do that work. And that, would you say that your demo reel is like super important in that? A hundred percent important. A, a lot of people they don't even know what There's a demo a reel is. Your head. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I had to cut no, you. That's fine. Okay, uh, it's just demo reel. Uh, yeah, a, a lot of people they don't even they don't even think about a demo reel, but a lot of people, they need to understand that their demo reel is very important and having some sort of website. Like, do you guys have a website? Of course. Yeah, it shows off your work and everything, of right? Of course. Yeah, okay, perfect. Like, that's something that people need to understand is that they need to show off their work and then they need to be able to, like, proof of concept. And then it shows that you're serious. Yeah. Because and I feel like, obviously nowadays, Instagram is extremely important, social media yeah. is extremely important, but to take it to the next level, you have to show your professionalism yeah. and have your website. And we have like a blog, we have news, we have as much as we can about our company on our website. Yeah, and that's that stuff is huge. I, I think it's super important that every, whether they're freelancers or they have an actual production company, mm -hmm. they should definitely have a website and have all of their stuff on there. I personally have something in the works. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it's not even like close to being done, but I need to put something out. Yeah, um, and definitely, and definitely, up. just going back to to the real, um, when you when you when you first starting out, I feel like the real is the most important part. Even if it's five videos you shot for free. Yeah. Those five videos you shot for free, if you shot them really good and you put them in a reel and you send it and you propose it to a high-end client, you yeah. have a that much bigger of a chance to, to, to land the job. Yeah, they, they have to see it. And so one of the one of the things and one of the reasons why I personally haven't put together a demo reel in a while is because my social media speaks for me. And I, I'm very big at advocating that to people saying mm -hmm. like, your social media, if you show off your projects and stuff like that, if you show off how big of a set you worked on or whatever, like people see that. The companies you can show them, have it in your email, whatever, and like people will see that. And like, I don't, it's not, I kind of use it as an excuse, but at the same time, I need to put together that serious demo reel. I need to show off all that stuff. But I agree though, because I feel like Instagram yeah. is one of our biggest marketing tools right yeah. now. Yeah, no, of course, it's, it's huge. People can get clients off of Instagram. Yeah. I, my whole business is built off of my Instagram following. Yeah, it's like, like it's a digital portfolio. Yeah, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Like I've I've talked to people before. I've gone and done like seminars and stuff like about social media marketing mm -hmm. for filmmakers, and they're they're like, what? You can use you know Instagram of as course. a platform or like a portfolio. Like because I, I feel like a lot of people who are trying to jump into the film industry, they're not utilizing their social media yeah. in the right way. They're still posting pictures of their food and pictures yeah. of their friends. When if you go to ours, it's nothing but yeah. but behind the scenes. Um, premieres that we're at, our work, you know what I mean, pictures of us and our face because we're, again, we're trying to be influencers as well and, yeah. and be a huge part of the film community. But most importantly, your Instagram is a huge marketing place. Yeah, it's, uh, it's something Definitely with hashtags and, you know, it's huge. Yeah, there's so many different like tactics. the sky's the limit. Yeah, there's so many different tactics to, to, to go about it. Instagram, super duper important. At least so, social media as a whole, super duper important for, for film companies, for production companies, for freelancers, for everybody, it's super duper important. And I think they need to know that. And I'm glad, I'm glad we kind of touched base on that. Uh, but let's talk about the, the projects that you're working on or you have worked on in the past. I know you were saying that you did like a DMX music video yeah. and, and stuff like that. I saw it, it's actually, it's really nice. And like, I was surprised at the budget. Like, I don't even know if you want to talk about that. No, like that's that, fine. The budget on that, like yeah. to, 
for you to tell me that we shot that with this much, I was like, yeah. what? Like, I think, seriously? I think we had six hours on set. I think yeah. the total budget for everything, location, Lamborghini, plane, everything that we had, and being shooting at a hangar at the Van Nuys Airport, yeah. $6,500, and we had six hours yeah, with that's... a full crew, and it was rough. We had to cut, I believe, three scenes out yeah. of the video. But that's so crazy to think, like here in LA, shooting on stuff like that, like now I understand why you guys are, are steady, just filled with work. Obviously, you're putting out quality work, and you're you know you're getting you know referrals and people coming back to you like that's that's awesome. Um, the moving into the the short film side, have you ever shot uh, short films before that weren't produced by you or or just music videos? Um, mainly just music videos, but we also focus on a lot of fashion, high end fashion. We shoot a bunch of international beauty campaigns. Yes and uh, pretty big fitness campaigns and stuff like that. How'd you, how'd you just fall into, did you just fall into that or how did you um, get into like that high fashion stuff? Um, well, my lady, she came from a fashion background. Okay. She was always in the fashion. She owned her own clothing company back yeah. in the day. Yeah. And I used to shoot uh, videos for her. She did the photography. And uh, my big ticket, uh, my big ticket beauty campaign here is when I first moved to LA, yeah. I made a Craigslist post. Craigslist is extremely important. Yeah. Definitely when you're first starting out, even if it's in my first, um, it was a photographer in Hollywood, big shot photographer, extremely big in Hollywood. And he was like, I need some free work. And I met him at this, like, uh, this grocery store in Hollywood and we caught a vibe and he said, yeah, cool. I like you. Let's bring you on set. I did the first one for free. Yeah. Um, I didn't even own a Ronin at the time. And I was so determined to have the, 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 the beautiful shots that I spent my own money, even though I didn't get paid yeah. to rent a Ronin. Uh, from a rental company, yeah, uh, and they loved it. And you know, then I was like, okay, cool, we're gonna pay you good money. Yeah, no. So now, so now I shoot with them like two, three times a year. The clients uh, fly here from Sweden. We do three day shoots, two, three times a year, and it's, we just have a great relationship. Yeah, that's that's awesome, and that's 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 something that I've never explored was putting out ads on Craigslist. Uh, how, let's talk about that a little bit, like putting out an ad. Like, what do you? What, like, what do you put out there? Are you saying like you're just looking, you're a camera operator or you're saying um, like- I didn't actually advertise myself. What oh, I did okay. was I go to like crew gigs, yeah. crew jobs, and just people advertise on Yeah, okay. And then, and then I just replied and you know what I mean? They liked my work. Yeah, no, that's, that's crazy. I mean, that's one avenue that I think I should definitely get into yeah. uh, a little bit and explore it. And I kind of faded away it. from it because yeah. definitely in Los Angeles, are we yeah. not accustomed here or no? Yeah, no, Okay, definitely in Los Angeles, a lot of people bullshit. Yeah. And um, you're never, when I first started doing it, it was a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. Nowadays, it's just so saturated people with where, you know, they're just like selling the dream. Hey, we're gonna offer this to you. We're gonna give yeah. you food <laughs> and IMDB credit. And then you show up on set and it's like, they're shooting on like a T3i. Yeah. <laughs> That's the problem, man. Everybody gets a, a small camera and they think that they're they're yeah. big shots. Well, it's definitely in Hollywood. Yeah. Everyone thinks they're somebody. They're, but the thing is, like, it, there's nothing wrong with shooting with a smaller camera like a T3i or like a yeah. 7D or something. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's about how serious you take everything else around it. Because if you're shooting with a, a T3i with a kit lens, and you, you're not shooting with any lights, like you're, it's gonna look like garbage. Exactly. If you if you take your cinematography very serious and you you plan out your shots and you got a good director, I think 
even shooting with low budget cameras can be huge. Oh yeah, a gear, yeah. gear is just a tool. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I like telling that to people because the people ask me all the time, like, what kind of camera should I be using? I'm like, whatever. But if you got a camera mm. in your pocket, like, use it. Yeah. Just use whatever camera you have access mm. to. Just be sure that you think about your lighting. You think about all that stuff. I think all cameras tell stories differently. So we choose our camera depending on what what we're shooting. Can you kind of elaborate on that a little um, bit? For like narratives, mm -hmm. um, you always want that really good dynamic range. Yeah. So we're gonna go with something with like like a red cam. Yeah. Something similar, um, depending on the budget. But I feel like music videos, unless you're shooting like like fifty thousand dollar music videos, yeah. if you're shooting a music video anywhere from like five hundred dollars to t even ten thousand dollars, it's perfectly fine to go out there with like a Sony. Yeah. Or or a GH five or something yeah. similar, even like a Canon. But Canon, I feel, fell off. The mirrorless. <laughs> yeah. The mirrorless industry is totally taking over right now. Yeah. So I feel like. Any camera is good for like music videos. It just depends on, on the budget that you're working with. Mm -hmm. And if you don't mind me asking, like, how do you how do you build that budget? Like, not specifically how much you're getting paid, but like, how do you go about? Let's say I wanted to shoot a music video, uh, and I come to you and I say, hey, let's shoot a music video. Uh, what's what's some of the first like qualifying questions that, that you ask to, I direct to get everything to my wife? Oh, okay, <laughs> I, I don't I don't handle yeah. any of that. Oh, okay, so yeah. I mean that's cool. Though. But as yeah. far as like as coming from the cinematographer point of view, um, like what's some <coughs> of the some of the things like what information do you need as a cinematographer to know what you're gonna light and camera movement and all that stuff whenever you get on set? Like what information do you ask uh, for? Budget. Just budget? A budget, you know what I mean? The, the number really depends on everything. Yeah. If they don't have a budget, we can't do much. Yeah. You know, we can't just make magic happen yeah. with, with no money, right? Uh, money is a huge importance on set, I feel. One of the one of the things that I know in LA is getting pretty big is owner-operators. Exactly. Like having somebody that owns a Red or somebody that owns an R. Like people will get gigs just because they own a camera. They might not even be good. Yeah, yeah. They, but they, they have a Red cam, so they're going <laughs> to yeah. pick someone who is extremely well and understands composition and framing. Yeah. Who shoots on a GH5 to some rich kid who owns a, a brand new red Scarlet Epic or whatever, you know what I mean, whatever red cam he has. Yeah. They're going to choose him over over me because he's the owner of a, of a red cam. It's one of those things where it's like they're just flexing and they they really, they don't know what they're doing. They just have, they have a Ferrari. Yeah, and, reds and, are so trendy. Yeah, you know what I mean? yeah, and it's it sucks. Uh, I've been on shoots before where people are like, you're shooting with that. And I was shooting with like a 5D Mark III. They just yeah. don't know the capabilities of the yeah. camera. They don't know if you light it correctly. Yeah. You know, you have some decent lenses. Yeah. You're gonna get some amazing yeah. footage. What I learned is I don't even tell people. Uh, I don't even tell people what camera I shoot with. Really? When I was shooting on 7D Mark II, yeah. majority of people thought it was on Red Cam. Yeah. I said, all right. Yeah, no, because I saw the videos. They look really good. Like yeah. I would question it. Like what camera yeah. did you shoot on? You know? Yeah. And uh, in Houston specifically, the market's not that huge, but there's a lot of people. Like there's a lot of rappers. Like, oh, do you shoot 4K? They, they don't even know what 4K is. They they, like they, they don't know what it is. They don't know what it, what it, it entails. They don't know the, everything that goes behind it. But they ask like, "Oh, do you shoot 4K?" And for a while, there was a couple people that were promoting shot on red, and so it was really annoying because I got asked a couple times for $500 budgets, "Are you going to shoot on a red camera?" No. And way. I was like, "No, no way." Yeah. But, <laughs> in, but in LA, people do that. Really? Yeah. People will do it. 
Damn. They'll do a whole video from the shoot and the edit between like five and seven hundred dollars, which really muddles the game. That's why yeah. Los Angeles is so saturated because yeah. this is a production company who does the full pre-production with the packaging, and we spend hours and weeks prepping for your video, then being on set with you for eight to twelve hours to multiple days, and then coming home and editing everything. There's no way we could do it for that price. Yeah, you you can you could work at McDonald's and make more money than that. Yeah, and it's it's crazy that people <laughs> people don't take into account like yeah. not only the equipment that you already own, yeah, but the amount of time it's taken you to get to your level and uh, as far as like touching on pricing stuff like whenever I've started realizing that I spent X amount of time and X amount of years not years learning my craft whenever people would say I want to shoot this for $300 I, I just I have to say no I, it got to the point where I that's was that's my favorite yeah, word I yeah, love saying no. yeah I used it, to not say I, I said no all the time I, I used to say yes to everything yeah, and then me and as then, well. yeah and it got it got to the point where I was like okay no it's not worth it for me because yeah like you said and you put it perfectly for the same amount of time and hours spent to get paid that it's you might as well be working at McDonald's exactly. and I value myself enough to, to know that I and what I know is worth way more than that because it's taken me years to get to where I am and I think as, as filmmakers, people should understand that they're you're, they're paying this filmmaker not only because he has the equipment, but he has the knowledge, and he spent years to learn that. He, he spent years to learn exactly how to use the camera or the exposure and all yeah. that stuff. And if, if you shoot videos for people for five hundred dollars all the time, your referrals are going to be five hundred dollars or less majority of the time. Yeah, so. and there's I don't think there's anything wrong with with the five hundred dollar like little little quick music videos. But if they start asking for reds mm -hmm. and all this stuff, like I, I would tell people, don't do it forever. Yeah. No, no, when it's time to, to up your stuff. Uh, I actually I went to a, a talk with Gary Vaynerchuk and um, Chase Jarvis from Creative Live, mm -hmm. and I, I was listening to them, and Gary V was saying, 10x your prices. What are your prices right now? Like he asked the crowd, he's like, what are your prices right now? 10x that. No matter what it was, he said 10x it. And I'm like. Mm, a little bit, it was like a little bit un, like called for for me, but I would never like just 10x my price automatically. Mm -hmm. But I, I understood what he was getting at. It's basically understand your worth and, and put it out there that you are worth that. And I think a lot of people don't understand that whenever you put out that those positive vibes, that it's going to come back to you. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, people are going to pick up off of it and people and, and are and then once you shoot a bigger production, yeah. it's hard to go backwards. Yeah, no, it's really no, hard no. to go backwards. Yeah, so it's I, not I, even like when people ask us to do like little like rap videos, like "Hey, come to the hood. We're gonna stand in front on a car, and yeah. we want you to shoot through a fence." Yeah, it's like we've done that so many times. It's, it's not even fun for us, and we yeah. do this for the passion, not not just for yeah. the money. The money, obviously, I think the value, and we deserve it. But we do it for the passion. We love we love doing it. And you you can't stay in the same place yeah. for too long. You have to keep progressing. Yeah, keep always, forward. always, always. And that's that's one of the reasons why. I backed out of music videos is because in Houston the market was just flooded with people that wanted the same thing they they didn't want any storytelling involved and I'm a storyteller I love telling stories I love sharing my knowledge my information and my my, my past with yeah. people and uh, you know as as a cinematographer and do you, do you direct sometimes yeah I, start, I was a director yeah so as a, as a director and, and cinematographer and all that stuff do you do you like to kind of put some of your own touch on everything or, on everything. or do you do you what, like what is it a, a balance of with the artist and their insight and your insight as far as majority like, of the time the artist doesn't even have an input good they used to <laughs> but, but we've shot videos now people just trust our vision yeah they're like hey That's man good. we trust you and then i could be a director but i 
my wife is a much better director than me. Okay. So there's no point for me to try to be a director yeah. when she's that much better than me, you know what I mean? So yeah. that, that's all her field. And yeah. I get to focus more, you know what I mean, doing like, striving to be bigger and then trying to direct and trying to grip and trying to shoot yeah. and trying to deal with all the camera settings and worrying about framing. It's really hard to do it all and you don't have a clear mind. Yeah. So when you have someone directing you and you are the DP, you could actually focus on the camera. Yeah. You don't have to worry about, okay, I need to tell them what to do this. And then there's no room for mistakes. You know what I mean? Yeah. That, and so like what you were saying right now too, cause I've, I've been, uh, I, I would say almost, I've been a victim to this to where the budgets were so low that I had to do everything. I oh, was, yeah, I, I was renting the equipment. Times, I was yeah. renting the equipment. I was hauling it, all that. There needs to be a point where you say, and this is going back to like budget stuff, where you say, no, we need more money because we need to have more people on set. And yeah. I think anybody who's, who's listening to this or watching this, they need to understand that there's a point where you can't do it by yourself anymore. You, and, you have yeah, to have a team. Yeah, you have to have a team. You gotta find it's mandatory. people. You gotta find people that you can trust and that are really good at what they do. And, and I mean, I'm sure somewhere out, out on the internet, there's somebody asking to help with something. And, and that's going back into like the free stuff. Like you started that way with, with a couple of the mm -hmm. you know, companies that you work with. Um, I think people should definitely do that and, and take that as a word of advice. And you know, I still do free stuff. If yeah. it been, like if Nike asked me to shoot a, a commercial for them for free, yeah. I would probably do it. Absolutely, I would too. Because <laughs> you're gonna get so much more yeah. out of it. Right? Yeah, and that's, that's another thing too is like, Whenever you get that free stuff, put all your effort into it. Like put put every ounce of you into that, so then they can see that you put in the effort without the money. Yeah, without the money, and you'll get something back. And if you do a good job, they're gonna hire you back. For, yeah, for a shitload of money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we talked a bit about like creating a team. Uh, how had, how did you go about finding your people that you call out normally on set, like your your gaffers and everybody? Craigslist. Craigslist, Craigslist again yeah. is a huge tool for us. We found multiple gaffers grips, um, audio people, makeup artists, yeah. um, everything. But definitely, you know, not in other states, you know, but in Los Angeles, you, you make an ad on, on Craigslist looking for a grip, you're gonna get 100 responses in yeah. about two days. Oh, nice, that's, that's really good advice to, to yeah. check out Craigslist or hit up Craigslist and build yeah. it. But what's, what's like one thing that whenever you, somebody comes out on set, for, for instance, like somebody who, who wants to get into this industry, if they're if they want to be a PA, you know what's what's one thing that they should have whenever they show up on set with you? Just uh, w willing to learn. Yeah, yeah, willing to learn. I feel is the most important thing. Even if you're even if you're super green and you're not seasoned in the industry, yeah, just go there with a the good intent and have the drive. Yeah, you know, ha have the same passion that we do. I I think one thing too is is not being afraid to ask questions because if you're around a sixty thousand dollar camera and somebody says to to do this to it and you say yes, like and you fuck it up, like. Yeah. yeah, you're never gonna be on that person's set again. Yeah. But but also to to ask questions, yeah. say, hey, like I don't know how to change a PL mirror yeah. lens because I, I I actually asked that question. I use that as example because I did it. I one time was around you know some expensive cameras. They said change the lens, and I was like, I don't know how to change that PL mount lens, but can you show me? And I was willing to learn, and I, I was out there. So they showed me, and then after that, I knew I'll, I'll never forget how to do it. Exactly. You know, and it, so it it was one of those things where I wasn't afraid to say it, but at the same time, I had to have the confidence to do it. And so for anybody, you know, coming into the industry and being a PA, like, what do you think is the, the, the point where they should, you know, ask to move up to the next position? Um, once they put in the work, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, once you, once you had your, your, yourself on set for some time and you, and you build a trust with the production, the production's going to probably promote you. Yeah. So 
for instance, uh, say somebody wanted to be a camera operator on set. Because I've, I've been a camera operator a lot, but it's all my own stuff. And yeah. it's all stuff with, with friends. But if coming into, <laughs> coming into LA, you know, uh, did you start off as a camera operator? or I was everything. You were just everything. So yeah. you just went straight in and you were, you were just getting yeah. you know, clients and then doing all this client work? Yeah, I was everything. I didn't even understand the whole Hollywood scheme. I yeah. didn't know what a C stand was when I got here. Oh wow! Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, "What's a C stand?" Yeah. You know what I mean, I didn't. I didn't know that. Like, I I obviously knew that the huge productions had like 30, 40, 50, 60 people on set. But yeah. I came from the era that we just did it all. Yeah. You know what I mean, I was the grip. I was the director. I was the DP. I was the cam op. I was the editor. Plus, set designer. You know, we, we yeah. lighting dude. We, we we did it all. You know what I mean? And that's all I knew. So when I and when I, in the Bay Area. I felt like I was like making my way up. I was like, oh man, everyone was knowing my name. Oh man, Riley should still videos. And when I came to LA, I truly got humbled because I was like, I was back on the ground. I was, yeah, I was ground small, floor. I was the smallest stand <laughs> in the world, and it was truly humbling. Yeah. And, and then you know, I just kind of went to these expos and started seeing how Hollywood truly worked, and you know, it was super inspiring. It's if you haven't been to to Hollywood or been on a set here. It, you should, people should go. I really think people should go because it's yeah. a different, it's a different world. Pretty much like there's, there's rules and there's etiquette and all that. And then here in Hollywood specifically on the stuff that I've been on, it's respected like a lot. And that like, like I was saying, like the hierarchy is it's real. Like you don't step out of line and mm -hmm. it's, it's more relevant here than it yeah. is anywhere else that I've, I've shot. Yeah. Um, and even it, if you feel like the director is doing something wrong, yeah. they might be doing it for a reason that you never even thought of. Yeah, exactly. Like. I think people need to understand that a person is in that position not just because they have been doing it a long time but because of their experience because i've had a pa like hey man you're, you're out of thirds i'm yeah. like but there's a reason why i'm out of thirds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah just like go back there and, yeah. and hang out and just don't ever do that again <laughs> yeah that's that's one thing that i i've stepped out of line uh once or twice you know i'm guilty of it i i talk i was talking to a cinematographer on a set one time and i was just like hey you know why don't you do that and he just like kind of looked at me and I was just like, oh. like I was like, I, it's his job, you know, it's his set, it's his lights, it's his vision, yeah. you know, and at certain times there, it, there is open for discussion, but in the middle of like the importance of everything, like it's, it's one of those yeah, things. I actually had a, an issue with the PA before and he kind of like overstepped his boundaries in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Somewhat relieved him, and but now I actually have a brand new intern. Let's go back to the camera op thing. Yeah. Um. I just um, made like an ad on on Instagram saying I'm looking for a camera op because I'm trying to be more of a DP. Now yeah. DPs do film. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but I love I would love to have a camera operator work under me that yeah. I could train and I can mold and I could tell him okay push him this way let's frame this way let's let's get the composition this way. Yeah. So right now I just got an intern. Um. He's coming on set with me a lot and. I'm doing a lot of one-on-one -on -one time with him and I'm training him how I want him to be my camera. Yeah. And for six months, I'm gonna have him do it. And in six months, if everything goes smooth, I'm gonna let him be my, my camera for most of my most of my jobs. Unless I really wanna shoot. Like, yeah. oh, it's like a scene, I really want, oh, I wanna do that shot, I'm gonna jump in. Yeah. You know I mean, but I think as a DP, it's good to film, but it's also good to kind of fall back and put the trust in someone else. That, yeah, that, and that's, that's a good, like even a business tactic. And a lot of things in, our industry kind of relate to, to business and stuff and I see it that way just because I've been on the business side yeah but letting responsibility start moving away from you on certain things allows you to be better and to do more and a lot of people they want to hold on to that you know there's a lot of people who call themselves a cinematographer 
but they still, you know, camera operate, <laughs> they still do a lot of other things. Yeah. And it's like, you know, hey man, let somebody else do it, but teach somebody the way yeah. you want I don't it to even, be done. I don't mean to cut you off, but I, I do not call myself a cinematographer. And yeah. I tell people who call themselves a cinematographer, yeah. unless you're part of the union, if yeah. you're part of the ASC, okay. you, you've earned the right to call yeah. yourself. Now, we practice cinematography, yeah. but we're not cinematographers. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we, we, we practice cinematography, but we're not cinematographers. Once you join the union, you're mm -hmm. part of the guild, and you're part of the ASC, you have earned the hours, you have worked the hours to consider yourself a cinematographer. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of people out there who's, well, I'm a cinematographer. It's like, oh, you're not really a cinematographer. <laughs> you're, you're a cam operator or you're yeah. a director of photography, which is perfectly reasonable. Yeah. But I don't like people calling themselves that's cinematographers that unless you're a true cinematographer. Yeah, that's you, a good you, way to put it. You've earned those hours. Yeah, that's We that's all practice cinematography, but it's yeah. a little bit different. Yeah, it's like like an, an electricianship. You know, you don't call yourself a master electrician or a journeyman. You got you got to earn those. You got to put in the hours to do exactly. that. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I've I've actually never heard that before. Like I've never heard anybody say that. But now that you say it, and I'm like listening to it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's, it's putting respect on the name. You know, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> put some respect on it. All right. So what's what's one of like your favorite projects that you've worked on, or one of the favorite like videos that you've shot? Um, it's actually not released yet, but I just. Yeah, I could talk about this. Yeah. I'm not allowed to talk about the video, but I yeah. actually was just the director of photography of Janae Aiko's mm -hmm. newest music video. That was really fun. That what was it a it's like R and B type stuff? Yeah, R and B R and B. But the video we did was kinda of different. Um she wanted it very raw. Yeah. We shot it in like a sound stage and it was supposed to look like a rehearsal. So that's I actually cool. talked to the director the other day. He said, you know, you're actually in the music video. So <laughs> I'm like rolling around on my little hoverboard with the whole easy rig set up. That's what I use. I use hoverboards, yeah. just dollies and stuff. And um, there's actually footage of me filming her from a, from a B cam. Yeah. And I'm actually in the music video. Oh, that's tight. Yeah, so that's, it's pretty, so yeah, it's pretty really cool. Yeah. yeah, and I'm pretty sure that's going to blow up. That she's, she's got a huge name. Yeah, her, her, her last video got, yeah. I think, 40 million, 50 you, million views. It's going to blow up. Yeah, you're going to be famous. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like that's that's really cool though to to get to shoot all that. Like, how did you even get that that, um, that gig? The director, his name is Eyes. Mm -hmm. um, he's a good friend oh, of mine. Yeah, that's yeah, a good friend of mine. We actually um, shot a music video uh, a few years ago, and after we shot that music video, before I even owned a Ronin, he was very humble, um, and he's always had like the vision. He's very intelligent, yeah. and he barely knew me and let me borrow his Ronin really for like two and a half months without yeah. even like contacting him. Like, hey, you want to buy? And he was really cool about yeah. it. You know what I mean? So like, we just built like this really cool relationship, and you know what I mean. Uh, I refer him to like camera rental places and different stuff and we always like send each other tips and tricks We've yeah. only worked two times yeah. together in the past almost three years, but we've always kept like a really cool relationship He just directed Janae Aiko's uh, sativa video with, with Ray Shrim. Oh nice. Yeah. So back back to that uh, Specifically like getting that gig from from somebody that you that you knew I think people need to know that it's important to network. No, network and is the most important thing. It's yeah. all about networking. Yeah. Even if you're going to mixers, mixers, Cinegear Expo, different type of expos, you're always going to meet with people. And if you're a people person yeah. and you approach people and you talk and you explain about yourself and also be an ear yeah. and listen to them, you know, people, yeah. people respect you. And that's a really good way to, I mean, that's to, to make networks. It's literally how we met. Like, yeah. <laughs> like you hit me up and I was just like, hey, what's up? Yeah, and that was I social saw, media. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah, on social media. You can network on social media. That's another thing too. Yeah. It's like going back to the social media side of things, you can network, you can get, you can find camera operators, you can find cinematographers or directors of photography, you can find them and you can get cool with people that, you know, you think have the same, you know, mindset or the same vibes 
that you want on your sets yeah. and and then you end up you know getting gigs or something you end up like talking with people meeting these people and I think everyone in this industry and the people who are just getting into it they need to understand the power of networking because it's it's not just a, it's not just a personal tactic it's mm -hmm. a business tactic it helps you grow it helps your brand grow it helps everything grow because mm -hmm. uh, who knows who you're gonna talk to you know yeah. and, it, and, and it, it's not just networking in the film community because yeah. if you network in the film community uh, community you're gonna actually have friends that are gonna be cool with you, but it's not gonna give you more work. Cause yeah. it's basically, you know, it's friendly competition. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you wanna network with food, people who, who, who sell food, people yeah. who have restaurants, people who have small businesses. You know what I mean? We network yeah. with everyone. Yeah, you mean. never know who's gonna need a commercial. Exactly. You know? Like, you, you know never know who's gonna need, a, uh, or gonna know somebody. Like, a good friend of mine, you know, we basically, basically grew up together, but he went a completely different route. You know, he does welding and stuff. And he knows that I shoot videos. So I was in Houston for two weeks and literally got a phone call on a Wednesday, said by Saturday, can you shoot this oil and gas video? Like this and that, and it paid very well. Yeah. And it was like, we need it by Monday though, because we're presenting at this place. So because my friend knew that I shot video, you know, it was sort of that off kiltered network where I actually met his boss one time. Like we went out for drinks guy was you know, hella fun, we got really cool, and he, he didn't even ask for a demo reel, he didn't ask for anything. He said, oh, Tom, I know him, yeah. So I met him a couple times and that was it. And, and so, he trusted you. Yeah, he trusted me, and, and I, I did the job, I did it very well, they were really impressed, but it was that, that, you know, that handshake, that hello, that network building that it, it took to, to get that gig. Yeah. You know, it, I, I was just sitting at home on a Wednesday, you know, posting to Instagram and got a phone call, and by Monday I'm paid out and, you know, happy. And it was it was fun. It was a really good gig. Like it was it was really fun. But it was the network that got it. And I think people need to, to respect the network and respect it. And but one thing too is is taking advantage of people or overly using people. That's it's that's totally wrong. Yeah, that's 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 something that I know that there's some people out there that are very guilty of it, and they they shouldn't use somebody. You know, mm -hmm. you should definitely make it a beneficial relationship where both people can kind of gain something but also a friendship too like i'm very big about like if i meet somebody and you know we work together we do something that's like a paid gig and i and i do like them i do want to hang out with them i do want to go you know have some drinks or just of chill of like just shoot the shit i don't want to actually just always be about you know filming 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 oh can you get me a gig or let me get you this no, i think i think it's, relationships are so much bigger yeah. than just the actual job itself. yeah it's just one thing that kind of ties it together right. um building that trust because trust is such a yeah it's such a um, trust is such like a, just a word thrown around yeah. so easily. I think the this generation, not to like talk too much about like people that are younger, because I'm about your age, we're about the same age, but people younger than us, it's it's different for them because they were they were, I guess the, the generation was raised a little bit differently, and so the respect isn't isn't that much there with with my generation, and I'm not even that old. We're not that old. But it was it was a little bit more you know stern you know in the way that the way that we go about relationships and talking to people it's with respect you know exactly. you, don't, you don't immediately just discredit somebody because of one thing or another or the way they look or anything like that nowadays it's like people send shade or they hate you know for for no apparent reason just because it's yeah online. yeah just because <laughs> it's like oh yeah so it's it's kind of like one of those things where you know I, I feel like I'm getting old because I talk about that now you know yeah. <laughs> I talk about home mortgages and all that stuff but yeah. like uh, I talk about stuff like that about the, the younger generation needing to to learn respect and learn this stuff and that's one of the reasons why I like doing what I'm doing but educating 
uh, and talking to people and letting them know about you know how important networking is, social media, all this stuff, because it all ties back to your overall goal of being a filmmaker and doing what you love and never working a day in your life because you love what you do. Would you say that as a filmmaker, you love what you do? I love what I do. Yeah. Do you feel like you ever work a day? No. <laughs> yeah. I, no. I feel the same exact way. I, I don't ever work a day in my life. Only time I feel like I'm working <laughs> is when I'm editing. Same here. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm editing, it's like the sixth day, I'm like, oh, yeah. man. You know what I mean? So I gotta take a break. Yeah, the ed- I think I, I have to learn how to love editing, and I, I need to sit and talk with like a, a, a high end editor, mm-hmm. and and maybe get humble, yeah. humbled again. Now for the short film that we're shooting next week, that yeah. we're producing next week, this feels like work. Yeah. Because it's not the fun creative. You know what I mean? My mm-hmm. wife is doing all the paperwork, film LA permits, insurance. You know, I have to call rental companies and make sure that we have diopters for $100,000 anamorphic lenses and like it's just like ridiculous I mean so to us it's work because it's all like finding like porta potties yeah. on, on set you know what I mean like that's like work for us yeah. you know? but, but on the regular you know what, when once you're on set and you're 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 yeah. going all the yeah. creativity is, is yeah. happening yeah. that's yeah. June 17th is my birthday you yeah. know what I mean and we're on set that day and I'm like oh my god what a great birthday present that we get to be playing with a with a with the airy mini yeah. and, and power anamorphic lenses and uh, Alta 8 drone in the air, you know what I mean? Like, that is like the best birthday present ever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, happy birthday. Thank uh, you. Whenever, whenever you. Whenever it comes to that, which is in a couple days. Um, is there anything that you want to, to plug, talk about, or anything like yeah, that? Yeah, um, we just premiered um, a K-pop music video at Paramount Studios at Cinegear Expo. Yeah. Um, we partnered with Film Tools and the C-Tech. Um, and we premiered, um, it was cool, we did like a whole Q&A and walked around Cinegear Expo and talked to like Ted at Aperture and we talked to Small HD yeah. and we talked to a few different companies and then um, later that night we were able to premiere our music video at Sherry Lanson Theater nice. at uh, Paramount Studios and that was huge for us. Yeah. And they did like a 30 minute Q&A, uh, Q&A on stage and yeah. that was great for us. Me and my wife were on set and it was a beautiful thing. Let's, uh, let's talk real quick because I was about to end it but you said Cinegear. Let's talk about Cinegear because I don't think I would love I, to talk I, about Cinegear. Cinegear is it's still small, but out of all the trade shows that I've ever been to, and I've been to every <laughs> trade show, every NAB, CES, all that stuff, anything filmmaking, I've been to it because of the work that I'm in. Mm-hmm. But Cinegear is the most unique trade show that I've ever been. It's so chill and laid back, but it's still so professional. Let me talk about Cinegear Expo. Yeah. Our first year here, we went to Cinegear Expo. This is before I knew about a C-stand yeah. or anything. We went to Cinegear Expo and we talked to every company and we saw like the, the mass, uh, you know, just the huge picture of how, how, how Hollywood really works. And it yeah. truly inspired us. It truly inspired us. And that is honestly, and, and I even posted about this, like tagging Cinegear and they, they already know, like Cinegear Expo is what gave us our breakthrough. You know what I mean? It was like, oh my God, this is how, this is how you really do it. And seeing yeah. all these crazy equipment and everything. And it truly inspired us. And if we didn't go to Cinegear Expo, I don't know how our, inspir- yeah. how our inspiration was right now. Dude. So going there two years ago to Cinegear Expo and seeing everything, and then from that point on, moving different, working different, talking yeah. different, moving different, to now this year actually being a part of Cinegear yeah. Expo was being a speaker. What, what was huge for us, you know, yeah. partnering with them, and you know, we're in like the Cinegear Expo book, and they they did an email blast to you know everyone. You yeah. know, I got the poster yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. got the poster right there <laughs> of the whole next generation film. And we got a bunch of free goodies. You know, the C gave us hard drives and a bunch of cool stuff. It was an amazing yeah. experience. I think people need to to 
check out Cinegear. If not, if they're not in LA or in the LA area, I think they need to check out a trade show around them. Trade like, shows are extremely yeah, important. Yeah, as, as for for me as a business, it, it's yeah. You network and you do a bunch of stuff, but you also get to see what's next. You get to see some cool equipment, and you also get to talk to people that are like-minded and doing that. And a lot of you know business tactics are always saying like, surround yourself with like-minded people. Go to a, a filmmaking expo, a photography expo, whatever. Like, go to these things. Ninety uh, percent of the time, if you book it early enough, you can get tickets for free. Yeah. Like a, a lot of people don't even know that. You know. Yeah, they, I got my senior uh, ticket expo. Uh, I got the tickets like four or five months ago. Yeah, and for free. Yeah, for but, free. But Cinegear Expo tickets are free until like two days. Yeah, two days before. Then prior. It's like Thirty-five bucks. You know, it's like and it's if you're enough, yeah, man. if you're, it's so worth it to go to Cinegear. <coughs> the first year I went, I've gone twice. The first year that I went a couple years ago, it was on a whim, and because I was here for like VidCon, yeah. and then Cinegear happened right after, so I went to Cinegear, mm -hmm. and it was I saw some old friends that I hadn't seen in years. Uh, on from the business side of stuff, I saw them and we said, "What's up?" Yeah. One booth uh, straight up had a couch, and I won't I won't mention the guy's name because I don't want him to get in trouble with the company. But he bought a, a with the company credit card. He bought a couch because he said Cinegear is not to sell. Cinegear is to to make yeah, relationships. Yeah, there's no sales. Yeah. So he he said, I, "I bought this couch. We're just gonna sit down. How you doing, Tom? You know, we sat there. We talked for like forty five minutes just That's in right. the booth while people looked at the equipment that was there. And he's like, if you have questions, let me know. And we just sat there and talked on a couch. Like Cinegear is so laid back and it's awesome. Um, I think it's very important for people yeah. people to go check it out. And just being in LA around Cinegear, so much stuff and is going it's on. It's on a studio lot too. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you, you got to go to the back lots of Paramount Studio. Yeah. You're like walking around New York and all these. Places. And then the day after. Um, you, you go to Matthews, Matthews yeah. is in Burbank, and they have your whole a barbecue garage sale, and that's yeah. where we bought RC stands and our flags. And this year, I bought a six thousand dollar Matthews Poly Dolly for five hundred bucks. Yeah, like you get like, deals, you get deals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're into buying gear and stuff, the day after sending gear, you know, you can go to Schneider. I think Hot Rod Cameras and Matthews, they all have like garage sales. Yeah, that's and then nice. Tiffin, I believe, maybe yeah. as well. So. Uh, wrapping everything up, is there anything that you want to plug as far as like your social media or your YouTube um, or your, your website? I want to plug my wife. Yeah. Um, she is the backbone of 9X3. Mm -hmm. um, she has been working on a short film for a year now. Mm -hmm. um, we just got everything done and submitted and you know, we're, we're trying to fund $30,000 for the film right now. Yeah. And the short film is being pitched as a short film. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, it, we're shooting it as a short film but being pitched as a pilot for Netflix. Yeah, y'all talking yeah, about so that. that. So I think that's, that's a good idea. So it's huge, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? And where can people find more of your stuff? Um, uh, www.9x3.com. That's N-I-N-E-X-T-H-R-E-E.com. All right. And uh, 9x3 Films on Instagram. Yeah, and then Riley Cinema. Riley, Riley Cinema. Cinema. And then my wife, if you're, if you're a woman in film and you're all about advocating for women in film, uh, my director, my, my creative director, her, her tag is... Um, her, her handle is Elise Kano, A-L-Y-S-E-K-A-N-O. And we are 9 by 3 Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, man. Thank you so much. It was good. Good being here. Good chilling. Oh, and I support this guy a lot. I bought his, <laughs> I bought his hat. Yes. Months ago. Have, yeah, I appreciate that so yeah. much, man. Yeah, the merch. Yeah. yeah, it's all about the merch, man. Yeah. No, but it, I really appreciate uh, you and your wife, uh, not only for just having us like, at your house and stuff, but also... For the, for the support and talking and I think we should definitely off camera and everything you know keep talking keep collaborating sure, as many man. ways as we can we talked a lot about about gear and like getting some stuff done together you should see and what we did last night yeah <laughs> <laughs>
that's gonna be right up uh, which way one of these corners that video will be right there yeah so check that out much love and as always guys keep on shooting <laughs>